0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, broadcasting from a hermetically sealed tube somewhere deep beneath the Weekly Standard building. Is the Ebola-terrified Bill Crystal? Bill.
1: Hey, Michael. Thanks for that <laughs> wonderful introduction. I uh, no, we're not. We're not sealed at all. We're right here in D.C., where it looks like there might be. One hopes not, but uh, some poor fellow suffering from uh, Ebola-like symptoms, I guess, is being quarantined at Howard mm-hmm. University Hospital, that just broke a little while ago. So.
0: We well, you know, Ebola obviously is a, a biological you know, issue f- fundamentally, but there's been a lot of public policy and political talk centered around this notion. Peggy Noonan wrote about in the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, Matt Contineni, a, f- a former colleague of yours of the uh, uh, Washington Free Beacon, has it about this gap between the elites who are saying, oh, calm down. Everything's under control. Nothing to see here. And the normal people who are watching what they're doing and going, I don't think you guys either. You think I'm dumb, or you're it's just the. I think the average American is not very comfortable or confident in how the government is handling Ebola thus far.
1: And nor should he be. I would say. I think Matt's piece was terrific. Matt Cottonetti's piece. Uh, pointing out some of the similarities between other crises where the elites decided, hey, no problem, nothing serious to worry about. The border oh come on, you have to be kind of a know nothing to be worried about this, uh our border security and whether we might have tens of thousands of people flooding in if as an amnesty, but uh, uh two thousand seven two thousand eight the economic and financial elites and the government uh, elites who worked on those issues No, they can 't be another crisis, another crash you can 't actually have banks go uh, under or become uh uh unsolvent or have huge markets become illiquid that 's something that happened seventy years ago that doesn 't happen today, and to be fair, conservative elites have been wrong, I remember. 2004, 2005. You know, people like me being very alarmed by what was happening in Iraq, and being told by Don Rumsfeld and other uh, conservative elites, "Oh no, it's just a temporary little thing. Uh, we've got it under control." So, I think the people, the public, is right to be uh, doubtful of the expertise of the so-called experts. And in this case, I mean, again, it's one thing if uh, you know if they're if they're experts and they say X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z happen, fine. But when the when they're experts and they say Oh, no, no real risk of anyone showing up here with Ebola. And then suddenly someone shows up here with Ebola. And then, well, hey, but if he shows up here, we have such a wonderful public health system. There'll be no transmission here. Well, it turns out some people in Dallas have to be quarantined because the system didn't quite work the way it did. And now maybe there's a fellow here in D.C. People are right to be worried.
0: I think so, too. And particularly when uh, the message from Tom Frieden of the CDC is so all over the map, as you mentioned, he said, you know, very little chance of it happening. Then we're only watching a handful of people in Dallas. That handful is now a hundred. People in Dallas, and he had an exchange with Sanjay Gupta on CNN that got a lot of people's attention because he was saying how you know he and Sanjay were standing there talking to each other, and you don't have to worry about transmission. I'm not hugging you; we're not shaking hands. Well, Sanjay Gupta turned around and said, well, "Wait a minute! Your own CDC guidelines say that if we're within three feet of each other, that that qualifies as contact." And Doctor Friedman said, "Well, it depends on how sick you are. It's a case by case basis." Well, there is—that's just nonsense. Now you're just talking nonsense. And I—I I, I will tell you as, as latest as today, Bill. I've been talking to people in the medical field, people with Science Magazine, and there is no consensus on how Ebola transmits. Some saying, absolutely, if you cough and you're in you know, and the, and the little spittle or whatever stays on a surface, you can catch it. Other people saying, no, we don't know of a single person who's ever caught it that way. But they're all wearing hazmat suits while they say it. <laughs> so that kind of Identity reduces my viruses. confidence.
1: And they mutate and, they and have different, right? I guess versions. Whatever the right technical term for that is. So it's not as if you can even say with certainty ahead of time necessarily, that what happens in one case couldn't, or what happened three years ago in one case would necessarily be that, the, remain the situation three years later. Now I've seen, uh, Dr. Feiten over the, you know, sporadically over the last few weeks and months as this issue has built up, and obviously much more in the last two three days. And I've got to say, just looking at him, and I you know, I don't know him at all and haven't studied his record at CDC or anything, he just looks like a guy who doesn't actually know that much about what he's talking about, has been given talking points to repeat, thinks his job is much more to reassure the yokels out there and prevent some kind of panic than to actually be straightforward about this disease and what we do or don't know, and is following some kind of politically correct or, or otherwise, you know, internationally kind of acceptable type agenda in terms of the public health measures instead of uh... being straightforward about maybe what we should be doing in terms of travel and other things for example i just saw this a few minutes ago online Uh, he was talking to uh... msnbc i guess either uh... this morning or last night i don't know i think it was this morning yeah, we have to closing the borders would be ineffective. Restricting travel, not closing the borders, but restricting travel right. and much more serious checks on people coming from certain places and so forth. Uh, the only way we're going to get to zero risk is by stopping the outbreak at the source. Well, that's fine, but since that isn't going to happen right away, maybe when we we'll get to like to get to much less risk than more risk. I love the way they use these straw men here. You know, right. the only alternative is never letting anyone enter the U.S. for the next six months, or having totally open borders. And then I I like this line by, this is Dr. Frieden, he's the top health official, right? Even if we tried to close the border, it wouldn't work. People have a right to return. Really? Is that a public health statement or is that some kind of liberal constitutional law principle? I don't even think it's a true principle. Incidentally, people have no right to return. In the old days, if you got a communicable disease and you said, I'd like to come back to the United States, to come to the United States. I believe people at the border thought they were within their rights to say, sorry, we're not letting you in right now. Certainly, for people who aren't U.S. citizens, I don't even know about u s citizens if they can't be quarantined or restricted in their movements, I assume in fact if they can under the law, so he's saying people have a right to return. that's not his business, that's not his expertise. He's just repeating liberal right. talking points uh frankly, and it would backfire. He says because by isolating these countries it'll make it harder to help them. It'll spread more there and would be more likely to be exposed here. really, Would it be harder to help people in Liberia if we made it had more tests for people flying from Liberia? To come to the to come to the U.S. and more tests on people who had originated in Liberia, and if we told U.S. citizens maybe don't vacation, don't visit your relatives in Nigeria or Liberia for a while, doesn't mean that physicians you know wouldn't go there and under carefully uh, planned and monitored uh, you know uh, trips that would uh, designed for public health reasons. You know, so you just watch him, and he's a guy who's repeating administration talking points, and I do not have confidence right now that our policies are correctly aligned with the actual measures that are, would be right from the point of view of public health. Well,
0: it's no surprise that his early career in health involved uh, uh, helping Mayor Bloomberg wrestle tobacco and sugary drinks into submission. So that's, you know, that's the background that he comes from. But we're left with this question of how average citizens who, if, if it turns out that a case pops up in D.C. or Kentucky or whatever, and, and you start having these, uh, you know, individual communities having to face it, can they trust their government to deal with it? And I'm, you know, I understand that there are things in government above my pay grade, if you will. But when I see the Ebola family still in the same apartment, no one has even shown up to clean the apartment, remove the bed sheets of the Ebola victim. And until yesterday, Bill, they were free to move around the community. They had been asked to stay home, but the judge was uncomfortable, he said, forcing them to stay home and it was only after it became evident that they were just going to keep roaming the community that he sent the police over there they still had kids who had been exposed to the Ebola uh, patient in public schools until yesterday you i think average people like me go this doesn't it seems as though they're unwilling to take the actions that common sense would dictate they take
1: yeah totally agree i mean that it's one thing for people to make a misjudgment. I mean, you think this will work and it doesn't work based on your professional judgment, your expertise. And I think a lot of citizens, me included, would say, okay, that's you know, they, they, not everyone's going to get everything right. But when you're sitting there as a non-expert and you see these people making decisions and making arguments that clearly are not based on their expertise, that are driven by a different agenda, I think we are right to say wait a second could we actually have your public health judgment here not what you think will make people unhappy in liberia or make the un representative of, from the world health organization discomforted or as you say a judge deciding that he just wasn't kind of didn't wasn't happy with the idea of uh, forcing people to stay in an apartment i suppose uh, or whatever. It's really um, ridiculous. Look, I don't know how to be a good Secret Service agent. I don't know how to protect the White House, but I think I have enough common sense and so do my fellow citizens to say that there was something wrong with the way it was being done in the last uh, few months and, and last year or two. And that's a very similar situation, I think. And I think we're getting to the point where we really are going to have a kind of civic revolt here. And I don't think the civic revolt should be a no nothing thing where we say, you know, I try to say what the right policy is in terms of what tests people have to take before getting on planes or whether they shouldn't be allowed to get on planes for at least a while or something in between or some other right. resolution to that kind of thing. But we need physicians and public, genuine public health experts to step up, and there are plenty of them around the country, obviously, and say, look, this is what I think is the right policy from the point of view of protecting American health.
0: Uh, and I think that the uh, you add the uh, Ebola mess we're having right now with the Secret Service mess and the we didn't see ISIS coming mess, and the uh, you know, um, on and on the litany of fiascos, uh, the IRS, et cetera, that you we're dealing with. It really lends credence to the notion that it's just time to make a change. And I don't think that's good news for Democrats in 2014
1: yeah I agree with that, and also because they are the party that wants to believe in government, and from Obamacare to the i r s now to the Secret service, and maybe unfortunately to the c d c we have institutions of government that have been under democratic care and governance for six years, which uh are not functioning well. This is the guy who came in it was going to reform and improve government uh you could really make the case that you know the worst, uh, uh, Katrina and other things, and will go down as black marks for Bush. But uh... the Obama, you know, number of black marks is is fast outpacing. I'd say the the, uh, the the Bush administration. So yeah, I think this isn't good for them politically. I mean, it's always hard to tell. But generally speaking, I've thought for you and I've discussed this for two, three weeks. Actually, that there was a pretty good chance of a, a pretty big Republican year. Republicans may not have done that much to deserve this, uh, here in Washington. They didn't they pretty much have just uh tried not to make mistakes. Maybe that will turn out to have been wise. They do have good candidates on the whole in many races around the country. And if you just look at these races, you do see them beginning to move uh in a Republican direction. The more the more Republican seats, the Republican states are the Republican candidates tend to be opening up leads and the more even states the Republican candidates are establishing slight leads or at least other momentum on their side in most places, not all. And in states that were considered long shots, the Virginia, where where I live, New Jersey, where our friend Jeff Bell is running, suddenly you have races that are 10, 11 points, Republicans 10 or 11 points down, not 20 points down. Uh, and if you look at the more likely voters, maybe he's really five or six points down, and you wonder whether it couldn't be a very big Republican year.
0: When you say very big, I mean how big? I, yeah, I, I. Maybe it's my newfound pessimism after 2012. But like, I look at North Carolina and say, how in the world can this still be competitive in, uh, you know, a, a state in the South like North Carolina? Uh, I love the fact that Joni Ernst is knocking the doors off in Iowa, but she's fortunate she has a horrible opponent. Um, yeah. so where do you think we really, if if you had to kind of guess on the states that will go Republican the states, Republicans may end up losing, what, what's, where, where do you sort them, Bill? I
1: mean, I'd say there's a big variance, first of all. I really do believe, I could write a scenario where the Democrats, uh, attacks on the Republicans succeed, the Republicans are kind of incompetent in prosecuting their campaign. Some of these individual Democrats, like in North Carolina, the race is going a good way for them. Some of the third party candidates, like in North Carolina, hurt the Republicans. You could in every situation the Republicans don't win the Senate and they only pick up three or four seats. I don't think that's out of the question. I think it's low probability, but not out of the question. I think you could imagine a scenario where things break right everywhere and Republicans end up with 11 or 12 seats, honestly. And I think right now, if you ask me the over-under, I would say about eight seats. I think Republicans are, in my view, likely to win almost all the Romney seven, the seven states with Democratic senators right now that Romney carried, uh, where there are elections this fall and then pick up uh, probably six of those seven, maybe seven of those seven, and then pick up one or two or three of the Iowa-Colorado-New Hampshire bunch. But I don't rule out, as I say, getting beyond that either, if, if there really is kind of a wave. And uh, I do think people have probably underestimated uh, how useful it Voters are now learning more about the candidates themselves, right? The earlier it was kind of a name on a ballot, Republican or Democrat. And I think when that happens in some of these states, the Republican candidates are pretty attractive, pretty good. Um, and I think they will be helped at the end. I agree North is the one where every Republican's frustrated, but I don't know. I'd still bet personally you got if a de- the Democratic incumbents at forty five, even if she's ahead, let's say, of the Republican who's at forty two, but Kay Hagan's the incumbent, I just think incumbent at forty five at this stage in the race, uh, those undecided voters are not going democratic, I don't think, in the last month. And I think I would still bet on Tillis in North Carolina. I think the libertarian vote will drop. Some will get halved probably in the last couple of weeks. So I'm from a Republican point of view Uh, pretty optimistic. Now, being optimistic was wrong in 2012, and so people are very wary of it, and they probably should be, and they certainly need to work hard. But I think it could end up being a pretty strong year.
0: Will the uh, new jobless numbers and the uh, uh, president's attempt to focus on the economy turn any of that around? Will it give Democrats a reason to show up?
1: It may look better than having bad numbers, but I got to think that ISIS and Ebola and the Secret Service and other things that are much more directly in the president's control than month-to-month employment numbers, and again, the longer-term unemployment is bad. And I was talking to a Democrat, a Democrat policy type, the other day, and he said he's been looking at a lot of survey data, some of it election-oriented, but a lot of it more the deeper kind of attitudinal data. And he said, "Look, you can have the unemployment go from 6.1 to 5.9 or whatever happened I think today, but people are getting increasingly depressed, not not optimistic about their own economic future and then their families and their communities." And the attitude is is you know, two thousand eight was a real body blow. Everyone understood it would take a while to re- to, to to recover. That's the why Obama got the benefit of the doubt. As late as twenty twelve, it's why he won re election. People thought, okay, two percent growth not great, but it was a hard one to come back from. It's gonna pick up. Now people it's still two percent growth. Uh long term unemployment isn't improving, and people are looking at their own situation and really now for the first time this is my friend talking Saying, you know, I'm not sure it's ever going to get better. I mean, I don't think I'm going to be out in the street, but I think I might have 1% wage increases for the next decade, and things will go up. The cost of things will go up two or three percent, uh... and I will have less money uh, ten years from now than I have today. And my kids will have more debt, you know, if they go to college or something than they have today, and their prospects don't look great. And I'm really getting pessimistic about. The overall future, and I think that that's bad for the country incidentally, uh obviously uh but it is also politically, I think why you get these headlines in Washington and New York that look oh mm-hmm. a little bit of a comeback, stock market's not bad, uh the macro unemployment number's not bad, but in in middle America middle working class America, there's more pessimism and and it is based on the fact that the average paycheck doesn't go as far, and young people's job prospects don't look very good. And Republicans really have to respond to that. They can get away this year with uh, basically being against Obama, Uh, but 2016, the Republican presidential candidate will really need to have an agenda to get the economy going again, especially for working class and middle class
0: Americans. Well, the good news, Bill, is that Ebola is going to kill us all before the bills hit. So we'll be fine. You know, yeah, really? Exactly. Once we're- <laughs>
1: yeah, I wish I wish that were <laughs> as funny as it, as, 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 as it sounded as funny today as it did uh, two or three weeks ago. But let's hope it's not too serious. But I, gotta, I really do. I mean, I am personally – I'm not ever – you know, I was in government. I'm not one of those guys who thinks government can never, ever do anything right. There are a lot of good professionals in some of these parts of government. But I am worried about this – about the – CDC and the whole Obama administration's uh, handling of this one, honestly.
0: Well, uh, I understand that they've already put a task force together, and uh, Miss Pearson and Lois Lerner will be heading it up, so there won't be any problems at all. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard podcast.
1: My pleasure, Michael.
0: You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham. And that's it. That was